Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Takeout ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett, yes, CBS, yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense, and you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? <laughs> the answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett. Welcome to the takeout at one of our familiar places in Washington, D.C., the Dubliner. We are talking about the debt ceiling and the debt limit crisis. And if you don't like that story, folks, well, too bad, because it's a real deal. And we have at our table here at the Dubliner someone who is not directly involved in the negotiations to resolve this pending fiscal crisis, but he is, I think it's fair to say, negotiation adjacent. Brendan Boyle, Democrat from Pennsylvania, ranking Democrat on the House Budget Committee. What that means is whenever there's a deal, ladies and gentlemen, and trust me, there'll be a deal eventually, one of the obligations for Brendan Boyle will be to sell it to his House Democratic colleagues. Congressman, great to see you. Yeah, good to be here, and it's nice to be back uh, in the Dubliner. I, I may have been here once or twice previously. <laughs> Probably not with so much coffee. I, 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 this, this setup is very impressive it here. Is, this is, is uh, not the norm. And uh, before we get into uh, the details of our conversation, I want to say a special hello to two members of the ever-widening Takeout Radio Network, WDEL in Wilmington, Delaware, and WOND in Linwood, New Jersey, radio stations I believe the congressman is somewhat familiar with. They are both in the Philadelphia media market, yeah. So uh, Special I- hello to both of them. So let's start with some things that happened overnight. Fitch, which is one of the rating watch services, issued an advisory, and we are recording this on May 25th, so Thursday. So the evening of May 24th, Fitch said it has moved... America's AAA bond rating to ratings watch negative. What does that mean, and what does that tell those involved in these negotiations that they ought to be about? Well, it's very serious, and it's not surprising. I mean, if we go back, Major, six months ago, I said at the time when I first started to get questions about the debt ceiling, I said that in my view, this would be the most serious moment as a country we face since the debt ceiling drama and showdown of 2011. Mm -hmm. 
in that case, we came within a few days of breaching the debt ceiling, which would mean the first ever default in American history, be a catastrophic event, not just for the United States, but for the economy worldwide. Uh, that was avoided in the summer of 2011. However, just all of that drama, just by getting so close mm-hmm. and flirting uh, with default, we suffered the first ever credit downgrade in American history uh, when I believe it was Standard & Poor's, Standard and Poor's correct. Uh, downgraded us. Uh, and the result of that, according to the Government Accountability Office, the result of that was billions of dollars of increased borrowing costs for the U.S. taxpayer as well as the U.S. government. Um, so here we are again, flirting again with disaster, uh, only, uh, well, less than a week now from the earliest possible X date. And the reality is it is not at all a surprise that uh, other rating agencies uh, would follow the lead that Standard & Poor's set in 2011 of giving a credit downgrade to the United States. And the closer we get to the X date, the worse it will get. Where is this, what is the status of negotiations as you understand them to be? Well, at this moment, knowing that any negotiation is a fluid situation, um, I, I have spoken to a couple of the, the four people who are directly in the room. Those are private conversations, so I'm not going to get into to specific details. But I think what it would is. You say the I, I think it is safe to is. say. What's the yeah, I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting to kind of the mood music <laughs> is one of those uh, terms they they use in a situation like this. It is. I think markedly more positive um, now than a couple days ago. That's also not terribly surprising mm-hmm. to me because, again, the closer we get to the X date, the motivation increases for everybody to get to an agreement. But the frustration is we shouldn't be in this situation. But I, you're in it. Yeah. The debt ceiling has been raised 103 times mm-hmm. since 1940. 103 times. The vast majority of those, interestingly, have been under Republican presidents. It is only in recent years, however, that the debt ceiling has been weaponized in this way. And it only happens when Republicans control the Congress and there's a president of the opposite party in the White House. That's when it gets weaponized. So you've described the stakes. You've described the state of negotiations. And yet everyone is bugging out of town this weekend. No one in Congress is staying around for negotiations or to legislate anything. What kind of look is that? It gives, the bad, uh, it gives off a bad impression. Um, however, uh, well, look, I will be here. If there's an agreement that's announced, I will be here. I will stay here. I have missed a lot of family obligations. <laughs> Just ask my wife and nine-year-old daughter. They will be happy to recite some of the things that I've had to miss because of votes. Um, so I will be here to, to do my duty. Um, at the same time, if there is actually nothing to vote on while you know four people in a room uh, are hashing this out, then it would be a little bit of theater for us to stay here uh, this this weekend. So let's you know let's let's keep that in mind as well. I'd also point out that for a number of members, let's not forget going back home, especially to uh, participate in events around Memorial Day and honoring our veterans. We shouldn't discount the importance of that. It was reported this morning in Politico that Johanna Hayes, who's a member of the Democratic House whip team, said at a meeting yesterday, closed door, we should be staying here. And Representative Debbie Dingell from Michigan, also a Democrat, been on the show before, said, I agree. So there obviously is some discord. I wouldn't say discord. I mean, just to be clear, uh, we as House Democrats don't set the House calendar. Of course not. So if the majority kept us in session, I would be here right. and, and we would be in session. But you could say I, we're staying and the Republicans are leaving and that's a bad look well, for them. Interestingly, I believe coming out of that meeting, um, 
there was not Discord. That's an inaccurate description of it. But there were some members, I think, uh, on my side who were going to make the judgment to stay here just to prove the point that uh, we should not leave. While I think there will be others who will be honoring commitments in their district. So in the end, uh, it ends up being a, a member-level discussion. But, you know, the reality is the ultimate power to end this standoff lies with Kevin McCarthy and House Republican leadership. All of this, the, all of this theater, all of the drama, histrionics, however you want to call it, it's all unnecessary. Uh, this is not the way the world's leading superpower should govern. I just last weekend um, it was, was not on vacation. I flew to Europe, to NATO. I serve as part of the U.S. delegation to the NATO parliament. I can't begin to tell you the level of freakout among our uh, colleagues of mine, folks who serve in their respective parliaments of the 30 other NATO countries, between the dysfunction that happened in the Trump years and then especially January 6th, and now this, we keep giving the impression to allies and enemies alike that the United States uh, does not have a functional government. And that is dangerous um, on the world stage. And when you say the level of freakout, how do they verbalize that to you? What kind of questions do they ask you? Yeah, remember, these are politicians speaking to other politicians, right? right? I have friends um, who I've gotten to really know over the last five years that I've served in the NATO parliament, uh, friends in the British parliament, the Bundestag, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they'll just come up to me, hey, Brendan, what is this debt ceiling issue? And you guys might default. And I got questions about it constantly because, you know, there's the old saying that, if America sneezes, Europe catches a cold. So a lot of them wanted to know about it. Almost none of them, all of them except for Denmark, um, do not have the debt ceiling. So they were asking me about it. They consume American media. They follow American politics um, incredibly closely. And, and so they knew that uh, something disastrous might happen. And they were trying to get the latest from me because uh, if we do go over the cliff, they have to prepare for the impact that would have on their budgets. And did you get the impression that this debt ceiling crisis is symptomatic, in their view, of a decay of American democracy? I wouldn't call decay, or I wouldn't use the word decay, but I would say they see it as yet another chapter uh, in a book that started to be written in 2016 of um, a great American dysfunction and a real worry about the, how solid we are as the world's leading superpower. That coupled with, they still are deeply concerned about the 2024 presidential election. Uh, and I know that's a different topic, but- We'll get um, to it. Yeah, so there'll be plenty of time, God knows, between now and November 2024. But it's safe to say that this um, is yet another reason why our closest allies uh, really do worry um, about how much they can rely on the United States for leadership. We will discuss that worry and other specifics around the debt ceiling crisis when we come back for segment two. I'm Major Garrett. We're at the Dubliner. Brendan Boyles, our special guest. Back to you in just a minute. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to The Takeout. Dubliner is our special host this week. Again, we are recording this the morning of May 25th. This is Thursday. I don't think a lot of events are going to happen over this weekend that are going to make this conversation irrelevant, but some things might happen over the weekend that might add a little bit more context to it. But Brendan Boyle is our special guest. He's the ranking Democrat on the House Budget Committee. As I said in the intro, he's adjacent to these negotiations. He's talking to everyone at the White House. Congressman, let me ask you this. It's becoming increasingly clear that some Democrats are not pleased with the way the White House has approached this. I think the messaging has been off. The White House hasn't driven a politically potent response to House Republicans. And they see Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, the leading Republican, doing gaggles and stop-by conversations with reporters every day, and they hear nothing from the White House. Are you as frustrated? Uh, so let me preface this by saying... Um, Big breath in. I saw that. <laughs> I know what that means. That... Um, I, I'm literally uh, one of the earliest uh, endorsers in Congress of Joe Biden. I went to him uh, personally to urge him to run for president back in 2018 because I believe then and still believe that he was our best candidate to beat Donald Trump and that he would be a damn good president. And I think the record over the last two and a half years has vindicated that. Um, I think it is always easy to uh, criticize what any White House does um, in terms of messaging um, I strongly believe, and I've been attempting to do as much media as possible, that it's important for all of us on the Democratic side to speak out as forcefully as possible and call Kevin McCarthy on his repeated BS. Uh, that's my approach. I don't believe you win elections. Uh, p- please detail. <laughs> well, I, I mean. What falls under the category of repeated BS? How long is this show? Go ahead. We got uh, plenty of time. I mean, when uh, you know, when McCarthy was asked what's one concession he's willing to give, he actually told the truth and he said to raise the debt ceiling. Right, that's the concession. And that's the so they're con- they believe they're conceding something um, by not blowing up the American economy. That is extraordinary behavior, and not people who should ever be trusted. Reckless? With it. It's absolutely reckless. It's reckless. It's irresponsible. Uh, and what you're saying is you're putting the interests. What Kevin McCarthy is really saying is he is willing to put the political interests of himself and his party above the interests of the United States of America. That is what he is saying, and that is what he's doing. And you know as well as I do, I don't hear, I'm not here to speak for Kevin McCarthy, but I will only repeat what he has said in public over and over again. Congressman Boyle, I hear you. The House of Representatives has raised the debt ceiling. We're the only institution in Washington who's done that. So don't criticize me about holding the U.S. economy hostage. We've actually increased the debt ceiling into March of next year. So what are you complaining about? Except, of course, they haven't. What they have done is passed a piece of legislation that, according to Moody's, by the way, would bring about a recession next year and 800,000 fewer jobs. It's a piece of legislation that has so many strings attached. What they have actually done is said, well, look, we will agree not to blow up the national and international economy, but you must be forced to accept every single one of these Republican demands that are so unpopular 
and so extreme that when Republicans had full control of Washington five years ago, they couldn't even get any one of them passed. That's the reality. You know, uh, look, uh, I'm by no means perfect. I don't bat a thousand. But I can say this. I've been 100% consistent, and so have my fellow Democrats. When, Donald, when the roles were reversed and Democrats controlled Congress and there was a Republican in the White House just four years ago, I voted along with my fellow House Democrats to raise the debt ceiling. It was raised three times when Donald Trump was in the White House. There are only these sorts of games, uh, shenanigans, again, when Republicans control Congress and there's a Democrat in the White House. And I would say it's only in the recent years, really this century, that we have seen the debt ceiling weaponized in this way. That's why I've always been the most forceful advocate for either scrapping the debt ceiling or dramatically reforming it, because this is really dangerous. And if we keep tempting fate like this, Garrett, uh, or Major, um, we are eventually going to go over the cliff. may not be this time, but to have to be perfect 100% of the time with these sort of stakes, it's just not wise. Is June 1st a real date in your mind? So it is real. You know, I've heard some of the... Um, some Republicans tell me, ah, I, don't, I don't think so. I, Nancy Mace was on this program last week saying, I don't think June 1st is the real date. I think we can go by it. I, I, could, I could go off on a, a whole tangent of the sort of um, rejection of experts and facts that you increasingly see on the right. I think some of, some of them, by the way, I think it's actually a minority of them from the Republicans. I have a lot of friends on the other side. I talk to them. I do think it's a minority of House Republicans who don't believe the X date is real. Um, but for some, it's all part of this rejection of any sort of objective facts. What we do know... And institutional we, norms. Yeah, correct. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what we do know is that um, Moody's thinks it's June 8th. Goldman thinks it's June 8th. The Bipartisan Policy Center thinks it's somewhere between June 3rd and June 8th. What Secretary Yellen has said repeatedly in her letter, it is as early as June 1st. Right. Because, of course, a lot of this relies on projections. Right. So the reality is... I think what the Treasury Secretary is conveying is June 1st is the date I can guarantee that under every single imaginable circumstance, Treasury can pay every yeah. single bill. But after June after 1st, that, I, I can't, can't guarantee be sure. it. Right. right. So that's not something to play around with. So to me, I mean, June 1st is absolutely real. Um, in the end, do we really want to tempt fate and get a situation where we think it's June 3rd, and then suddenly we wake up on June 2nd and we realize Treasury actually defaulted that morning? That's not a scenario we want to uh, we want to. Uh, I mentioned Nancy Mace on this program last week. The other thing she said was June 1st may not be real, and even if it is, we can prioritize. We can pay certain bills. I want you to address that from your perspective. Yeah, that's a fairy tale. Um, Magical thinking? Absolutely. It goes back to 2011 when um, uh, Republicans in charge at that time, uh, they're called, you know, called themselves the Tea Party Republicans then instead of MAGA Republicans. They were uh, really talking about debt prioritization. Every Treasury secretary since then, both Democratic and Republican, has made clear there is no mechanism whatsoever for debt prioritization. Steve Mnuchin, Treasury secretary to President Trump, said that. Correct. So that's that's what I'm pointing out. Yeah. So, I mean, every Treasury secretary, including Steve Mnuchin, who, of course, was appointed uh, by a Republican president. So the mechanism doesn't exist. In reality, debt prioritization is default by another name. You're just choosing which bill you're not paying. Right. And if you do that with your credit card company, the credit card company not paid doesn't say you're prioritizing. It says you're defaulting. Correct. 
And That's my understanding. I don't have any lived experience with that, ladies and gentlemen. I really <laughs> well, don't. But and charges you a higher. In the twenties, it was close. My twenties, it was kind of you know. I uh, I'll, I'll hear about your Dubliner stories <laughs> later, Major. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll swap them. Um, yeah, look, I mean, the reality is, and Kevin McCarthy uses a a bizarre credit card analogy. Let me use the more accurate one, and that is the situation we're in right now is um, we use the credit card. The bill is sitting on our table. The due date is as early as June 1st. And the question is, do we pay it or not? Well, if we don't pay it, uh, we, get even, we get hit with more fees, and the interest rate goes up, and our ability to borrow in the future just becomes a lot more limited. There are no positives that come out of not paying that bill. And let me just put this into a context that I think many in my audience can follow. A couple of months ago, we went through a regional bank crisis heart palpitation moment. The regional banks are still under some stress. Higher interest rates and higher borrowing costs make their particular stress situation now worse. True? That is, uh, without question, correct. Um, the dramatic rise in Fed rates, it appears, exacerbated uh, some of those situations. And let's not forget, there's no guarantee the Fed is done raising rates. They've only signaled a bit of a pause. But even if the um, Fed pauses and there's this debt crisis and the cost of borrowing goes up for the U.S. government, it will probably go up for regional banks. And if regional banks' cost of acquiring capital goes up, right. they're under more stress. Yeah. So even if you think this is just a D.C. thing, if you like your regional bank or you like the general idea of solvency among regional banks, this matters. Yeah, I, so... This is a toxic brew. And oh, by the way, there are already projections that the economy has begun to slow anyway. Mm -hmm. So when you take the uncertainty uh, in the banks, specifically the regional bank sector, um, combine that with this sort of uncertainty that now the federal government, uh, because of this dysfunction, is injecting into the economy, uh, as again, uh, as I said, it's a toxic mix. And yet there is in Washington still... A degree of nonchalance about all this. We'll talk about that general attitude of like, oh, it'll all work itself out when we come back. Segment three of the takeout from the Dubliner. I'm Major Garrett. Brendan Boyle is our special guest. Back to you in just a second. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to The Takeout. Brendan Boyle is our guest. Again, a special hello to two radio stations, part of the ever-widening Takeout Radio Network, WDEL in Wilmington, Delaware, WOND in Linwood, New Jersey, familiar both to our 
Guest this week, Brendan Boyle, who represents North Philadelphia in the U.S. House of Representatives. So it has been said, Congressman, that President Biden can ignore all this drama, invoke powers untested, but there, those who argue this say clearly stated in the 14th Amendment of the Constitution to say uh, the full faith and credit of the United States shall not be questioned. Therefore, it's not going to be questioned. Therefore, we're going to keep paying bills regardless of what Congress does or doesn't do. Is that a re- reasonable, reliable off-ramp? It is a strong constitutional argument. I've had the opportunity to speak to a, a number of um, constitutional law professors, academics, um, who seem pretty convinced of that. And certainly any layman's, I'm not a lawyer, any layman's reading of the text. Are you happy about that, not being a lawyer? <laughs> it, it, you know, I would say it's worked out all right, uh, <laughs> all things considered. But, um, you know... I, you read the text, it seems pretty clear. That said, though, um, while I have never ruled out the president going down the 14th Amendment route, and I think he should still reserve that as an option, at the same time, I'm a pragmatist and recognize that there would still be some damage that we would suffer economically because while this was being litigated in the courts, we don't know how the markets would react. Uh, Actually, I suspect uh, they would be roiled, maybe not as bad as full-blown default, um, but not not great either, because there would be a question in those in the minds of those who buy our debt. They would wonder, hey, wait a minute. Am I really going to get my money back? And the reason why our interest rates are kept compared to the rest of the world, our interest rates are comparatively low because we are the world's reserve currency. We are the flight to safety. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what AAA means, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and, and that would be called into question if you go down the 14th Amendment route. Um, however, if you're right up against the X date and there isn't going to be an agreement and the president invokes it, then at that point, it would seem to me to be the, um, the least bad option. How would you rate that as a probability? I'll stick with what I said, uh, in January. So I've been pretty consistent. Uh, I believed then and believe now this is without question, the most serious danger with respect to the debt ceiling that we face nationally since 2011. I believe that we will ultimately reach an agreement and raise the debt ceiling. But I think the odds that we don't and that we default either by design or by accident um, are significantly above zero. They're below 50%, but they're well above zero. And there's a negotiating table at which sits either the Speaker of the House or his designated Republican negotiators, Garrett Graves and Patrick McHenry are the two and Steve Reschetti, longtime counselor to the president, knows legislative politics in Washington as well as any Democrat. Shalanda Young, who's the OMB director. And at some point, they could say, gentlemen, meaning the two Republicans, if we don't resolve this, the president will use the 14th Amendment. And guess what? You'll go to court to sue on behalf of default. Do you want to go to court and sue on behalf of default, House Republicans? That's the tenor of the conversation, isn't it? If this um, gets down to it. So I, I cannot, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny that, that that's the, the tenor of the conversation. No, but it could be. It, it very well could be. Um, I would point out, though, uh, that I'd suspect in that instance, uh, certain Republican leaders would be able to have their cake and eat it, too, because in all likelihood, there would be outside conservative groups that would, be would, the ones would find some sort of lawsuit 
And so there would be they some wouldn't be the ones directly suing plausible deniability. Mm. Uh, although there is a question. So, as, so and as I asked that question because lots of Democrats, because yeah. lots of Democrats say, do that, do that. Get the House Republicans to sue on default. Then we'll have the political upper hand. You're saying slow your roll. I, I'm saying, can we just be normal <laughs> and raise the damn debt ceiling and, and not even deal with this nonsense? Because, you know, there's such we have real challenges as a country and uh, problems we have to solve. The fact that we are spending so much time on this, which achieves nothing, it, best case scenario, we avoid disaster. We don't actually achieve anything by going through all of this. And all this time and all this energy spent on the debt ceiling is time and energy that actually could be better spent solving America's problems. That's why this has to be, Major, this has to be the absolute last time we go down this debt ceiling dysfunctional route. We have to pass. I have my own bill. Um, there are others that are out there. We have to reform this broken process uh, because this just makes no sense. This is going to be a conversation about details, but also potential off ramps. And you mentioned earlier, Congressman Brendan Boyle, that you talked to a lot of Republicans, have some who would even be classified as uh, friends. So another way to work around this, at least in the House of Representatives, and get this to the Senate, is to use a discharge petition. Very quickly, ladies and gentlemen, you can do a quick Google search on this. Discharge petition is something that has the signatures of a sufficient majority of the House to bring it to the floor on an expedited basis. I'm compressing things, but that's the essence of it. Is that an option? It is an option. I have filed the discharge petition. I kind of knew um, that. <laughs> good setup. Uh, yes, and I'm proud to say it now has 213 signatures. Every single House Democrat uh, has signed. Interestingly, that's not enough, though, folks. You need 218. It's, it's not enough, but it's actually more than have ever signed almost every discharge petition that has been initiated since they began keeping records. On Are this. you talking to Republicans about signing it? So uh, I am casually. I don't think it's clear that none of them are there yet. But have any of them signaled to you they could? Well, as we talked about before, this is a fluid situation. Mm -hmm. And as each day goes by that we get closer to the X date, the pressure increases exponentially. So where there might be a Republican today who's not willing to sign the debt ceiling. Who's a hard no. You get to May 30th. You get to May 31st. Suddenly that, uh, you know, that impending deadline can concentrate minds. Um, you know, look, I've always said the discharge petition. And then that hard no could become a hard maybe. I've always said the discharge petition was a long shot. Uh, I've been clear about that. Only two discharge petitions mm-hmm. have been successful the last 25 years. But it's there as an option. It's there as an escape valve. And if we get to the point where it looks like this is just not going to get raised... Again, I would urge, especially one of those Republicans who's in a Biden one seat, who's up for reelection. This is an opportunity for you to be a hero and sign this discharge petition and to end this uh, potential catastrophe. And folks, just real quickly, the way the discharge petition works, it is one of the very few vehicles for the minority party to force something onto the House floor. That's why all the Democrats have signed it. And why the majority party, the House Republicans, have yet to sign on to. Because they control the floor. They control the schedule. This is an alternative. It's one of the very few, if not the only, legitimate alternative way the minority party can force something onto the floor. So that's why it has Democrats now. May get Republicans if this gets to a place of panic. Why do you think uh, the volatility index in the major indices in this country, S&P, NASDAQ, and Dow, have been eh, 
The problem uh, goes back to the boy who cried wolf. Uh, I spoke on a panel a couple weeks ago, major global conference. I was on a panel to talk about the debt I ceiling. I run that, by the way, major global <laughs> conference. Um, the uh, it was o- it wasn't overwhelming. It was unanimous that these financial industry um, leading folks absolutely were convinced. Oh, this is Washington D.C. politics. Same old, same old. You guys will figure it out. No pro. Haven't you gone through this before? Nothing to see here. I was struck by uh, the degree to which they did not recognize that this is actually different. That this is like 2011. This is not like the debt ceiling uh, disputes that have happened uh, beyond you know the the major one that happened in 2011. There's the the pun again, mm-hmm. uh, unintended. Um, the reality is that, unfortunately, a lot of the folks uh, in the markets and Wall Street and otherwise have lulled themselves into getting convinced that we will absolutely solve this in time. I hope they're right. I think it's more likely than not that they're right. But they don't recognize right now the tremendous risk uh, that this doesn't get done in time. They are completely underappreciating it. And frankly, that's dangerous. It's May 25th, folks. Yeah. I, it, 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 it staggers There's a long me. holiday weekend coming. Yeah. There is almost no legislative time next week to move this through before June 1st. I'm not exaggerating. We'll talk about that again. I told you, ladies and gentlemen, kind of a debt ceiling heavy show. It is. Brendan Boyle's our special guest. I'm Major Garrett from the Dubliner. Back for segment four in a second. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes, we're wearing our nerd hats this week. Of course we are, because this is a nerdy subject, but it matters, folks. We've explained to you why it matters. I'm Major Garrett Dubliner as our host restaurant this week. Brendan Boyle is our special guest, ranking Democrat on the House Budget Committee. So let's get into some of the specifics of what the House Republicans have passed, because they believe that they have passed something that is legitimate. So they say we should spend less in the next fiscal year than we did in the previous fiscal year. Why are you opposed to that? Well, first, let me say this is, without question, the nerdiest conversation I've ever had sitting in the Dubliner. Um, now, in terms of the, the bill, the, the, that's why this show is so special. In terms of the uh, the bill the Republicans passed, you know, I observe that, uh, and I think polls back this up. People, when polled, are against government spending in the abstract, but then when you ask them about the top twenty things government spends on, mm-hmm. overwhelming majority support. For that spending. And Republicans have some priorities in there, too. They don't want to cut defense. They don't want to cut veterans, other things like that. They say that's what they're representing is, but they want cuts to next year's spending 
from this year's spending. So first, just to be clear, there would have to be cuts to veterans and veterans health care in the bill they passed, approximately 22 percent. Um, there's absolutely no question about that. The way they passed the bill, they didn't specify line by line, but they did specify the things they were ruling out cutting. So obviously everything that's left over has to be cut, um, and pretty significantly. So I brought up Moody's Analytics before. They analyzed the Republican piece of legislation. They found it would lead to 800,000 fewer jobs, or 780,000 to be exact, and a greater likelihood of a recession in 2024. Some of the specifics that is in their bill, you're looking at 200,000 or 290,000 children kicked out of Head Start. You're looking at longer wait times at Social Security offices. Remember what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, Mm -hmm. and the call for more rail inspections, railroad inspections? You would actually now have fewer railroad inspections. You would have problems at air traffic control uh, towers as a result of this legislation. You would have less money for veterans' health care, as I talked about. The Republicans are very concerned about the border. Guess what? There would have to be layoffs of border agents as a result of the legislation they passed if it became law. So they don't want to talk about those specifics. That's actually what they just passed and what we're talking about. They also say that there is some number, 60 to $70 billion of quote-unquote unspent COVID funds they want to claw back, they want to put back into the Treasury. Do you oppose that? And if so, why? So first, if there really is... uh, there are varying numbers, uh, numbers and, and um, opinions on just exactly how much unspent COVID funds there is? is out there. I believe it's closer to nine billion. Nine but, billion. Yeah. So that this is not any. This is a phony number. I don't think it's anywhere close to what they say it is. However, I haven't mischaracterized I, what they're representing. No, I? they're representing a much higher number. Um, the analysis that I trust and and uh, that I've studied believes it's closer to nine billion, um, but. You know, the reality is uh, I I think there's real flexibility, actually, when it comes to that subject. Uh, That's not the holdup in these negotiations. That's not the holdup. How about permitting? They want to have more permitting for exploration of oil and natural gas. Is that a place that this is stuck? There's actually a bipartisan group right now that has been working Mm -hmm. on permitting reform. Um, That falls under the grow part of the act. I I don't know why, though. You know, first, I mean, permitting reform has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the debt ceiling, obviously. Um, There's already been uh, clear flexibility on the Democratic side when it comes to permitting reform. I mentioned there's been a bipartisan group working on it. There's a group of centrist Democrats working on their own plan as well. Progressive environmentalists have been giving the White House heat about being too aggressive in some permitting areas in recent months. I I think there is obviously a balance that needs to be struck, right? Is that a sticking point in the negotiation um, so far as you can tell? In my view, um, take this for what it's worth, but I would say that I would be shocked if things like unspent COVID funds or permitting reform uh, were the stumbling blocks. It's much, it's much bigger than those two issues and much more fundamental. Is it about work requirements? So first, you know, we have work requirements. In we've, the law we've now. We've had them since the mid-1990s. Yes, since welfare uh, my reform. My Republican friends might be unaware of this, that in fact, for most of these programs, there already are work requirements. Um, now, if you're talking about under the guise of work requirements, putting in provisions that de facto um, make it impossible to qualify for Medicaid funding, that's something quite different. You know, Arkansas, they pursued this. Um, and then it was such a disaster. At the state level. 
At the state level, correct. And then it was by a Republican legislature, Republican governor. It was such a disaster, they actually repealed it. Um, and, and ultimately the struck down in court. Because were too onerous. Correct. People yeah. fell off, so and look, then their health care got worse, and there were more costs for the state event, uh, over time. Yeah, o- over time, it was actually more expensive for the government. Um, I believe in work. Uh, I saw both my parents <laughs> go to work every single day at very hard blue-collar jobs. Uh, work is not just about a paycheck. It's about a culture and a way of life. We support work as Democrats. What we don't support is under the guise of labeling something work requirement actually a backdoor way to just kick people off health care. That feels to me like a significant sticking point in these conversations. In my view, the single biggest sticking point by far, uh, simply the numbers. The so, simply the number, right. Republicans want 10 years of caps like they pushed in 2011, which, by the way, did you know, mainstream economists now clearly say there's no question that what happened in 2011, that budget agreement, slowed the economic recovery. Uh, and it ended up being not nearly as robust as it otherwise would have been. So I want to avoid that mistake. Um, I think the duration of the caps and their severity, that's So the percentage and the, the duration, though, that's, no question that's what me. it's all about. I think that's 90% of it. And it's been told to me, Congressman, that for Republicans, if the president and his negotiators say, well, we want to extend the debt ceiling past the presidential election of 2024, they want longer duration and a higher percentage of cuts. My view, and I think this is eminently fair, the agreement should be for as long as you're raising the debt ceiling. So if it's a two-year agreement on the budget, we're raising the debt ceiling for two years. If it's one year for one, it's one year for the other. That is eminently fair, and I can't imagine Democrats would accept anything less than that. Okay, so this idea that Republicans have in their head, well, 10 years, and forget that's... It. Uh, it's, it's, forget <laughs> it. It's not going to happen. I assume that's opening bid, although they, you know, they're sticking with their opening bid pretty damn close to the X date, uh, but it's just not realistic. Vote Can't find the votes for it. I, you know, the, the, the White House won't agree to it, and even if it did, you couldn't find the votes for it. So you've just touched on something very important. I give Kevin McCarthy credit. I, he's probably good at poker because he's bluffing with a weak hand. Um, he's trying to write checks that he can't cash. He thinks that he can get this big conservative wish list. At the end of the day, because of the politics of the Rep- House Republicans, he's going to need 50, 70, maybe 100 House Democratic votes they're just not there if you're talking about 10 years of caps and some of this other stuff. Right, because I've been told, even when the compromise is set, the top line for McCarthy is maybe 160 to 170 House Republican votes. He'll have a lot of defections. Right. That means at least 60 or 80 Democrats. Notice when Donald Trump was president, and I mentioned that the debt ceiling was raised three times, notice how many Democratic votes were needed in order to raise the debt ceiling then. That is the voice of Brendan Boyle. I told you this would be a debt-specific story, and it, and it was a conversation, but I think we got a lot of stuff covered. We learned a lot, so thanks to you for that, Brendan Boyle. Thanks to the Dubliner for being our host restaurant. Stay tuned for the Takeout Outtake Especial. That's coming right up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to your takeout outtake especial. Brendan Boyle, congressman from North Philadelphia, is our special guest, ranking Democrat on the House Budget Committee. He's got votes. He's got to run across to the Capitol to cast, so we're going to move this along very quickly for the takeout outtake especial. Real quick question. Is there any doubt in your mind, Brendan Boyle, is an early endorser of President Biden, that he will be the Democratic nominee in 2024 and he will prevail whomever the Republican nominee is? Joe Biden will absolutely be the Democratic nominee. I would bet uh, any amount of money on it. Um, in terms yours of- and mine. <laughs> yeah, preferably yours. Uh, as long as I, I get uh, my share of the taking. Um, and then in terms of 2024, I believe we will win. But look, I'm from Pennsylvania, the single biggest battleground state in the country. The state was decided by less than a half a percent in 2016. It was decided by 1.2% in 2020. I believe 2024 will be a close election. I, will, I believe we will prevail. Um, I think it's more likely we prevail if Donald Trump is the nominee. Uh, but I don't take 2024 for granted. I think it'll be a tough close election every presidential election since 2000 with the exception of the one that happened literally in the middle of the great uh, recession every single one of the other presidential elections has basically been four points or fewer and i think 2024 will be the same ron DeSantis on twitter spaces he did a hell of a job hell of a job uh you know um 25 minutes of ron DeSantis being silent is the best 25 minutes i've heard from ron DeSantis. I think we'll leave it at that. So you know we have three questions we ask everyone on the show. So take them quickly before you have to run across to the Capitol and cast some votes. Most influential book in your life and why? Favorite movie? And if you're listening to music that you thoroughly, and I mean thoroughly enjoy, what kind of artist or genre is that most likely to be? What was the second question? I already Favorite movie. Favorite movie. Um, I, I know this is going to sound corny to some, but I don't care. My favorite movie is Rudy. Uh, I am a Notre Dame alum, came out when I was in high school. It's one of those movies that I've watched it 50 times. I recently showed it to my daughter for the How first time. How can you time. not like Rudy? I mean, if I, would, it is on, I wouldn't put it in my top 10, but it's a great movie. If it is on TV... Uh, and that's the way to answer the question. If, I, if, if it is on TV, stop. Um, I stop, not even meaning to. And then I'm watching the next scene, and then I'm watching the next scene, and an hour later, it's at the end, and the goosebumps, right. and the goosebumps uh, come. And your nine-year-old um, daughter's like, Dad, we're late for my recital. And you're like, I'm watching Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of favorite genre of music, you know, I really don't have one. I, I basically am one of those people that will listen to any type of music. Um, really? I, I do. Uh, I like it when an artist takes a song that was done in one genre and adapts it for another. I, I tend to find those the you're most interesting. You're just afraid to say you're a Swifty, right? Is that- <laughs> I, I know one thing. I, I'm, I am not going to do or say anything that, that angers the Swifties. I will be kicked out of my house, number one. And, and number two, that's a significant voting base. She is a Pennsylvania native, by indeed, the way. Indeed. Um, and then my favorite book, Somehow I Managed, by Michael Scott. Why? Um, that was actually a reference to The Office uh, mm-hmm. that, I, that I dropped. But um, fans of The Office will appreciate it. (laughs) See, the straight man needs to be asking the question like that, too, in order to carry the bit on, you see. So that that was sort of like my 
office. What? Huh? What? Uh, do you actually have a book that would? I'll do a look to camera. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. You do the do the do the look do the look to camera. There you go. See. There you go. There you go. Very, right, very right. Michael um, Scottish. <laughs> you know. I, do you have a book that actually does fall into that category? No. I, has nothing to do with uh, with politics or public policy or international affairs. Back long ago, when I read a briefer history of space and time, it, it I come back to that again and again um, because it really just uh, you know when you're talking about astronomy, um, it's really the intersection of philosophy, religion, why we're here answering all of those fundamental questions. And I, I read that very young. I was maybe, uh, well, I guess not too young. I mean, 15, 16. And t- every couple of years, I will find myself rereading it, especially as we learn more uh, about what's out there. So anyway, this is very different than what I do day to day, but it's actually a real hobby of mine. And uh, as a 15 or 16-year-old, I don't imagine you discussed that book with many of your contemporaries. No, I, I <laughs> want it to seem normal. So I always uh, kept in the closet about my love of politics and, and astronomy, and, astronomy. Um, and I would mostly talk about sports and Phillies and Flyers and mm-hmm. Sixers and Eagles. Very good. Brendan Boyle's been our special guest. That concludes your takeout. I'll take a special because the congressman has to do what congressmen occasionally, no, they really do this a lot, go vote in Capitol Hill. So get out of here and go vote. Thanks to the governor. We'll see you next week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like the takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.